0: The law of the Lord
1: is perfect, converting the soul. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous
2: altogether. More to be.
0: Gold, sweeter also than honey,
1: than the Welcome to the Believe and Follow Podcast. I'm your host, James Rattazzi. Recently, a question was posed on the topic of the use of unleavened bread for the Lord's Supper.
2: Okay, a few points Gone. that I'll just bring up from last week's podcast after listening to it. Um, in at least the four Gospels, the the word that they use for bread in the Latin Lord's Supper, right, is just bread, just the basic word bread, not right. unleavened bread. So, right, it's just basically not, not bread. Not saying you know that's not what Jesus used, but I'm saying. It just says bread, you know. Right, true. There was a specific word for unleavened bread and that one wasn't used for whatever reason, you know. So but in so at least my point is that they thought, you know, regardless of whatever kind of bread Jesus used, they thought it wasn't important enough, even if he used unleavened bread to use the word for unleavened to bread. To actually say unleavened so, bread. Yeah, so just one one point there. So again okay. in the Greek Okay, that's a good point. Something you might look at. Okay, but, I mean, you know, in my mind, yeah, I still think you should try to use what is, you know, what you think they use. But, at the same time, I don't think those are, inecessi- you know, there's not necessarily anything specific about having to use exactly what those are. Um, right, well, I'll let you go through
1: all your points, and then I'll answer that one. Okay, okay go
2: ahead. Well, I'll um, we'll answer that one, everybody. Okay.
1: It's clear that there's nothing about the elements that is special. Mm-hmm. Grape juice is grape juice. You know, fruit of the vine is fruit of the vine. Bread is bread, whether it's leavened or unleavened. If your attitude isn't right for the Lord's Supper, it doesn't matter if you're using unleavened bread or leavened bread or <laughs> cheeseburgers or whatever. Because <laughs> it's more important that your attitude is right. That point is definitely well taken. But let me just give you a general principle, which is this. And this is the principle that I hopefully brought home at the end of part two, which is this. Whatever we do as a church, we should do exactly what we've been instructed. Right? You understand that, right? We should do our best to do exactly what we've been instructed what the Bible tells us. What the Bible tells us, exactly. Now, here's a question that I asked myself a long time ago. There are some points that you know are important because they're stated over and over and over and over again. Uh, There are some points that are not stated that often. Does it mean that because they're not stated that often, that it's not important to follow them? Or, is it that we're supposed to be careful to follow everything that we're supposed to do. That's one question. But put that question aside for one moment. And consider this. We're supposed to be keeping the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We're supposed to be all united in the same mind and judgment. And that's not just the people in a single local church, Or although there's nothing much you can do about another church somewhere else. But, if we decide that it's not important, for example, what elements we use for the Lord's Let's if we decide it's not important, and so we're going to use our own elements, because it really doesn't matter, then when we come across another church, we're not going to have unity with them. Well,
2: I'm not saying necessarily that it's not important, I'm saying... It says bread and fruit of the vine, so I think yeah, as long as you're using, you know, those if you have access to them, here, obviously. But as long as you're using those, like to me, that's you know that's about as specific as the Bible says that for those
1: particular things. Well, I'm going to explore that argument a little bit, but let's say there is another term in the Greek for unleavened bread, and they didn't use that term. Then is there any validity to the example of the apostles? Like, if we're able to establish through some historical record, and I've never checked this, so which I'm going to, that... The apostles, when they were teaching it, were careful to use unleavened bread. If we establish that, then is, it, is that helpful for us figuring out what we should do? If it was in the Bible, yes. If it was in just history, I think that's an example, but not a rule. Well, I agree on one element of that, which is, if it's in history, it's got less veracity than if it's in the Bible. So if you say something, well, the the historical record indicates such and such, then you have to be very careful how you apply that. But here's another question. One more question, and then we'll move on to your next point, because I'm going to do a little bit more research on these issues that you brought up. What kind of bread did Jesus use? It doesn't say. It actually does say, because what kind of bread were they supposed to use for the Passover? It says they were at the Passover, yes, but it doesn't say what kind of bread he used.
2: I'm I'm sure there was unleavened bread there, but that doesn't mean there wasn't other types of bread also. That's an inference if, if you're trying to say he used unleavened bread. He just says, that's why he uses the word, you know, bread, not unleavened bread
1: in the scripture. So, you think that the Jewish tradition at the time, you know, we kn- we know that the instruction for the Passover was to use unleavened bread for the Passover Before, uh-huh. supper. But what you're saying is, you think that there may have well been other bread there, and Jesus could have used that bread, instead of using unleavened bread, which was the bread that would have been provided for the Passover supper.
2: He was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't do... You the Passover Supper, as the Jews did. He would, he created right there something new, something that pointed back to the Passover you know, or something that the Passover Supper was pointing forward to, I guess. Right, sure. But it's not the same thing.
1: Right, but he was at a Passover Supper. He was at a Passover Supper. And, and he suffered. was also under the Jewish law at the time. So if he was celebrating a Passover Supper with his apostles, is it correct to conclude... ...that the bread that he would have been using would have been unleavened bread. Could have been.
2: Not necessarily... Well,
1: why would he have not used unleavened bread? When Jesus was living his life, he was obedient, because he was a Jew. So he was obedient to the Mosaic law. Because the Mosaic law was still in effect Mm -hmm. until the Pentecost. So, if he's serving bread at this Passover supper... What makes you think it would have been anything but unleavened bread? Because,
2: I mean, one reason, they didn't use the word for unleavened bread. Like, if it was that important, don't you think at least one of the apostles
1: would have written it, or one of the writers of the Gospels would have written it down, and stuff? Okay, so I have to check that, because the Gospels were written in the Greek. So, how common was it for Greeks to use the term unleavened bread? Or was it just bread? You're saying that the inference that it was a Passover supper, so Jesus being a Jew who never sinned would have been properly conducting his Passover supper, and so the bread that would have been served at this Passover supper would have been unleavened bread. You're saying that you're not certain that's true. I'm
2: saying it wasn't... He wasn't doing the Passover supper
1: at that time. And this,
2: the Lord's supper, is not the same thing as the Passover supper.
1: Right, but at that moment, it, it was in the middle of the Passover supper. This was a Passover supper that he was conducting. He's now taking this Passover supper and turned it into something else. But he was using the elements that were there. He could have been, as the Passover supper. But
2: he doesn't. It doesn't say that he specifically did. And okay. I think that's that's too far of a, a
1: jump. You think that's too far of a jump? Okay, I'm gonna just investigate those ideas further. Because I always concluded that he was doing a Passover supper. Now would it have been proper for him as a Jew on that night for there to be anything but unleavened bread at the table? According to the mosaic instruction. I don't didn't they know clean it all the leaven from the house? True. So there was going to be no leaven, there's going to be no bread. So if he had bread with leaven at the Passover table, he would have been violating the Mosaic Law, and he would have been sinning because it was the Passover. There would have been no leaven in the house, in the room. Could be. So I don't know enough about the... I'm going to follow up on the Mosaic Law. I'm going to brush up on my Mosaic Law about the Passover, and I'm going to see because if we can find the instruction about there being no leaven in the house and no leaven at the table. When Jesus was doing this, there would have been no leaven to be had at this Passover supper. Okay. So, I will do my homework and my research and we'll follow up on that. I like this, though. You're bringing good points up. Yeah, Yeah. We should continue this discussion. I'm going to research some of the thoughts that you mentioned. I'm going to research the ones about the Lord's Supper. Okay because it wouldn't be the first time that I was taught something incorrectly. So I have studying to do. I have homework to do that. So, yeah. Because this is us carrying out the instruction to be united in the same mind in judgment. Yeah. The question was posed in a form that was new for me, and so even though I was confident that I knew the correct answer, I took the opportunity to do some study before I made my response. Questions such as this present an opportunity to put into practice the instructions to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, and to be united in the same mind and judgment. Let me know if you agree after we listen to this discussion that occurred after I put some time in to study the Scripture. So I did do my homework. Did you do your homework? you do any homework?
2: I mean, I looked into more of the unleavened bread.
1: Ah, okay. So did you have any things that you <clears throat> wanted to add to what you mentioned last Wednesday, or what are your thoughts on the unleavened bread issue? Uh, this,
2: this was what I was reading, but it's basically saying that since it was on the first day of the... I don't know, the Passover or the Preparation or something like that, that they would have been following those rules of no leaven in the house.
1: Yeah. So they would have been following the rules of no leaven in the house that entire seven days, from mm-hmm. Nissan 14 to Nissan 20. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a major issue with the Passover. I made myself a list of questions from last Wednesday's discussion of things that, that need to be settled. And that is the first question. So what kind of bread did Jesus use at the Last Supper? Any thoughts there? I mean, it doesn't say, but
2: by... I guess assuming... I don't even know if I want to say assume, but by believing that... Jesus didn't break any of the law.
1: Well, do you think he did?
2: I think it says that he didn't.
1: Right. But, so I would guess no. Um, he was tempted in every way mm-hmm. and like us, but he did not sin. That's in Hebrews. <coughs> but example. but you also have,
2: do have to question whether that means God's law or the Old Testament law.
1: Well, do you
2: have to question? I think it's a it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, it's a fair question. Because I don't think God has anything against yeast, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with it, it's
1: just... Yeah, that's one of those things where, where yeast... So, lead, I mean, the, yeah, yeast so is not a... is that
2: a sin against God? Or is it just... You know, is that actually something... Because in my mind, a sin is something that is contrary to what God is.
1: So let's define sin first. Sin is what?
2: Sin is apartness from God.
1: I okay, mean, but what verse gives us a definition of sin? I don't know. Okay, wait a second. Uh, so if you go to 1 John chapter 3, that's where I always go. Look at verse 4. Everybody who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, this word that in the ESV is translated lawlessness, in other translations is translated transgression. I like that word better, even though for probably a lot of people, lawlessness is probably a better word. The idea that transgression means what? Well, you draw a line, and don't go over that line. On this side of the line is obedience, this side of the line is sin. If the instruction is, on the 14th day of the first month, which is the month of Nisan, go to Exodus chapter 12 now. Now, all of the instructions in the law of Moses are to who?
2: To the Jews.
1: To the nation of Israel, right? Until when?
2: Until... The next one, (laughs) the next laws. Until the (coughs) Messiah.
1: They understood that the Messiah would come and explain everything to them. Okay, now we understand that when Jesus made his sacrifice, he, he nailed these laws to the cross, he fulfilled the laws, so now his disciples are no longer under the Mosaic law. But now, at the Last Supper, is this before or after he made his sacrifice? <clears throat> this is before. Before, okay. What nationality was Jesus? Probably Jewish. He was Jewish. We even know what tribe he was from, which is the tribe of Judah. Judah. So here he was from the tribe of Judah. These instructions here in Exodus 12, for example, are binding on him. And this is what's given to Moses there in Egypt. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of of months. So Nisan is the first month. It shall be your first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And then there's rules about if your household is too small, you can share a lamb, etc. But they're supposed to set aside a lamb for the sacrifice. And then look at verse 6. It says, And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill their lambs at twilight... Look at the verse 14. You've got to kill the lamb, put some of the, the blood on your uh, doorposts, and this way the destroying angel is going to pass over your house and not kill who? Your firstborn. Your firstborn, exactly. Then he says in verse 14, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened, from the first day until the seventh day, so from Nisan 14 to Nisan 20, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On that first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And then he goes on, he gives more rules. If it's Passover, is there going to be any leaven in the house?
2: If it was a Jewish house, no.
1: Right. Do you have any doubt that Jesus perfectly kept the Jewish law when he was walking around before his sacrifice? Do you have any doubt that he did that? No. Okay. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of context first about some things. I read all this stuff on the internet. There's a lot of stuff that, if you listen to everything that people say on the internet, you're going to be filled with what? Stupidity. <laughs> well, you're going to be filled with doubt, right? Because there are some people who are going to say to you, Well, maybe Jesus wasn't without sin. But we have a verse, by the way that's Hebrews 4 verse 15, where it says he was tempted in every way like us, but he did not sin. So he did not sin. He kept the law perfectly. So he could be a perfect sacrifice. Notice what it said in Exodus 12 about the lamb that they were supposed to sacrifice. It was supposed to be a lamb without blemish. The best lamb you've got. What we should try and establish when we're trying to figure out how we should apply scripture to our everyday lives. We should try to figure out what we can say with certainty. And that will help us when people raise doubt. Go to the Gospel of Luke. In fact, you can read it if you want. Read the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1
2: that you may have certainty concerning things you have been taught.
1: Thank you. When he says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word, who is he talking about there? The people who were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word?
2: Because the people that were with Jesus. They were the
1: apostles. When Peter says, we didn't follow cleverly devised schemes, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty, that's what he's talking about. The point that I want to make is, Luke's purpose was to establish with certainty the things that they had been taught. That's the purpose of his writing, that you're certain of the things that you were taught. So what the gospel is for us shouldn't be, because we're we're like staking our lives on this business, so it shouldn't be, well, I think maybe it could be this or maybe it could be that. We have to firmly establish, like, is Jesus Christ the Messiah? Was he the chosen one of God that was prophesied about? Are we certain of that? What what would your answer be to that question?
2: That Jesus is? The Messiah? Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it shouldn't be, yeah, I guess so. What should it be? It should be, yeah, amen. You should be like, oh, yes, yes, he is, and that's important, and I can say that with certainty and a little bit of enthusiasm because I'm staking my life on this business. So then, if you go to Luke chapter 22... Luke 22 begins to say, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then came the Day of Unleavened Bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. So this is that meal that they were talking about in Exodus 12 where it says okay on Nisan 14, you have to remove all the leaven from your house actually in preparation you should they'd be doing that before Nisan 14 to make sure they had it all removed by the time evening came. And that's the other thing about time by the way, don't forget, right? The day starts at the evening. So Nisan 14 began at sundown. So sundown, the lamb gets killed, and they're supposed to roast it and eat it and have this meal, and none should be left for the next morning. That's why if you don't have that many people, you split the lamb up with other people, because you don't have that many people How you're going to eat a whole lamb. This is the Passover. So the bread that he was going to have there, at this Passover meal, when it says, he broke the bread, where does it say that? That's like verse uh, 19, is it? And he took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what kind of bread is that that he took?
2: I mean, it seems like it's probably going to be unleavened bread. Is it probably Probably going to be be unleavened bread, 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 bread? bread? Or
1: is it definitely going to be unleavened bread? Is there any possible scenario? that, Because God has already carefully laid out this instruction for us. All these things were written for our learning. He's carefully said, now, this is what you're supposed to do. Clearly, that's what he's doing. They're doing the Passover here. So, this is Nisan 14. When they get together, they have this meal. So, is there going to be any 11 in the house? What did God also tell us to do? He told us to be careful to obey the instructions that he gives us. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus, being a good Jew, is going to be careful to obey the instructions that he was given. There's not going to be any leaven in the house, and this bread is not going to have any leaven in it. What word is that word for bread there? Of the two words that you were talking about, what word is it? Is it artos or artos, what are What is it numbers? Yeah, it's artos. So it's bread. It's unleavened bread. But Luke refers to it as bread. But we know it's unleavened bread. Why? Because this is a Passover meal. Let's pause and greet Tanya first, and then we'll get back into our conversation.
2: Hello. Hello. What are we talking about?
1: Do you want to mention what you mentioned last Wednesday to Tanya? You want to say it in your own words, or do you want me to say it in your own words?
2: I mean, the, the question was just, um, did Jesus use unleavened bread in the, you know, the Last Supper, Lord's Supper?
1: But why? Exactly. Because the question because, that you said is... Well,
2: I mean, yeah. for me, the, the word, the Greek word, is just the word for bread, whereas they had a specific word for unleavened bread that they use, you know, other times. But all three of the Gospels that, I guess, spoke about it, I don't know, maybe John does too,
1: but um, just use the word for basic bread. Mm-hmm. So some people, and there's actually a bit of a movement about this, Some people want to make the case that it should be more like a meal. Some people also say that we can have leavened bread. We can have regular bread for the Lord's Supper. And some people postulate that that's what the apostles did and the early church did. Let me finish what I was saying to Jeremy and then I can get your comments, Tanya, so you can get into the groove of this. We were in Luke chapter 22. And I really didn't see any comments from people about that, specifically what the thought occurred to me when I read verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is the word for bread, which is a noun, Mm -hmm. and it means bread. But this is what kind of bread we're talking about here.
0: Well, it's the Passover.
1: So what kind of bread is it going to be?
0: It would be unleavened bread because of the Passover. Because right. it was part of the Passover meal. Like right. if you go back to verse thirteen, and they made ready the Passover. Exactly. I think that's the only clue. The only clue that we have is that they were having they were having the Passover meal with his disciples. Like right. If that's the.
1: We see the word bread being used for the bread that he was using there, and it was unleavened bread. So if I see that word bread being used then I would not necessarily assume that it means leavened bread as opposed to unleavened bread. Now, the other word that they mentioned, G106, and that's asmos, and that is an adjective, though. It's not a noun. Now, they use it sometimes to refer to unleavened bread, but the meaning of the word is unleavened. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul is making a point... This is about keeping that guy from doing the nasty bits he was doing. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The translators translate that as unleavened bread. But it's really unleavened, but with the unleavened of sincerity and truth. But this word is used sometimes to say unleavened bread. But it's kind of like they're saying, hey, give me some of that unleavened over there. It's just like when Esau looked at uh, whatever the stew that Jacob had made and said, give me some of that red over there. But before we go any further, did you want to say any comments before we get to the rest of my homework? Because I did homework on this because Jeremy (coughs) mentioned it.
2: No,
0: it's fine. I I just think um, that the The circumstance in which they were eating the meal was clear. Yes, that it's definitely in multiple places and in, um, specifically described as the Passover meal. He said that he's going to have the Passover meal with his disciples, and so I think that that would bear out. Now, um, when Jesus said, "Do this in remembrance of me," does it mean? Does it mean that necessarily? Oh, that it has to be unleavened bread? I say better safe than sorry. You know, they feel like it's just a better... I feel like it is a better safe than sorry argument. That, or a that best, is, practice, or argument best practice argument, Or a best practice argument. I don't know that we can tell because I don't know that it's referenced that the... what the disciples were eating. Like, we have clear pictures of the way that that right. they were doing it wrong or very early on. We do know that they broke bread together. Yes. Uh so that, that verb, like breaking bread together, doesn't necessarily mean that they were breaking unleavened bread together and that they were, you know... I don't, I don't think that we can necessarily say that. That it's specific... That, but I don't think that we can say definitively that we haven't... Because we don't know what the kind of bread was that they were eating, like after the past, after it was instituted... It's not for us to say, well, for sure they weren't eating unleavened bread. And if if for sure they weren't eating unleavened bread and it were condoned, then I would say, oh, sure, we can go ahead. But because we don't know exactly what they were eating, like it may have been unleavened, it may not have been. And in the moment where it was instituted, we know that it was unleavened bread that was used. I say, why try to change it just for the sake of it?
1: Right. In First Corinthians 11, 1, the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the Apostles were Jesus' witnesses, and they were following Jesus. Let me say two things, and then I'll open this to more discussion. So if you go on the Internet, you'll get a lot mm. of doubt. And one of the doubts is that, well, was this really a Passover supper or not? Mm. And some people indicate... There is some conflict in what day this actually was because of something in John's Gospel. But the people that do that misunderstand John's Gospel. So if you go to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. So John 19, verse 14. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. And that might make you think... That, what does that mean? This is the day before the Passover? Or is, is this Nisan 13 that they're preparing for the Passover? And that's what I would think, if I just read that verse, I might say, ah, wait a second. Now this that says that because what day is he talking about there? This is after Jesus has been arrested. And he's saying, now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. So Jesus has already been arrested and he's being examined by Pontius Pilate. And some people say that. So there's a time conflict here.
0: I, when I read that, um, I mean, like, I always thought Passover lasted multiple days. Well,
1: Passover was from Nisan 14 to Nisan 20. And you're on the right track. If you go so down... Um, sorry, go ahead, ben. No, go ahead. If you go down to verse 31... So the people who say that about verse 14, <coughs> they haven't read the whole chapter. They didn't read down to verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation... And so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So before every Sabbath was a day of preparation. This was a day of preparation for the Sabbath during that week of Nisan that year. Remember, if you make a holiday a certain day, if it's going to be Nisan 14, right? It's going to be a different day of the week depending on what year it is. In this particular year, Nisan 14 was Friday. That's when Jesus was arrested. And remember... That's all the same day. Even though the Lord's Supper, in our thinking, would be Thursday evening, it's really, in the Jewish reckoning, it was the beginning of Friday. Friday. And then they eat the meal, they go to the garden, they do this stuff, they go to sleep and they wake up, he gets arrested in the morning. So now he's arrested and it's Friday and it's the day of preparation for the Sabbath. That week, which is a high holy day because it's a Sabbath during the week of Passover. All that time-framed doubt gets thrown out when you examine the Scripture. So then going back to the other thing about when you see Luke referring to the unleavened bread as bread, then okay, so we have a precedent for someone looking at unleavened bread and just using the word bread for it. So can we say without any doubt that the bread that they were using in the Lord's Supper was leavened bread? No, just because he uses that word artos, we can't. So going back to what Tonya said, Well, then in which case, then, we should do the safest thing, do the best practice. Now, here's the other thing, though. The other argument that I saw on the Internet was, it's not mentioned much, so it must not be important. There's no verses that say, Thou shalt not eat leavened bread. So, it's not important. Now, is that mode of reasoning how we should reason through Scripture? Mm -hmm. So, before you guys answer, let me tell you what my thinking is. My thinking is is that we should be as careful as we can to figure out exactly what it's saying. There are no verses that say, Okay, so baptism is immersion, so don't forget, you can't sprinkle, you can't do whatever. There are no verses like that. But we clearly understand what they did when they baptized, is they immersed somebody, so we do likewise. Is it that we should be careful to make our best estimation of what was done and what was being taught and then follow our best estimation instead of saying well if it's not mentioned much it's not important God often uses the figure of the marriage for our relationship with him the church is the bride bride of Christ right? so imagine a couple I'll try to be not gender specific a couple Mm -hmm. and they're looking in a store window and one of them says oh look at that isn't that cute? And they walk away. And nothing is ever said of it except that one time when one of them says, Oh, isn't that? Isn't that lovely? Isn't that cute? And then it comes the birthday of the person who made that statement. And then the other person has gotten them that thing as a gift. And the other person goes, "Ah, oh, you remembered. Isn't that? And And thinks, Wow, this person really loves me. Because they're so careful to pay strict attention to what I'm saying and then follow it. That's how we should be about God. These people really love me, despite the fact that God tells us we should be careful to obey everything He tells us. Because I had that same thought when I was younger. Well, there are certain things that it doesn't say very much about. So does it mean those things are unimportant? Not necessarily. But if we're given enough information, if the information is there in the text, then we should follow the information that we're given. So I think it is a best practice. And the third one I want to give, and then I'll let you guys talk. The last one I'll give, and we'll talk about this one more, is the unity issue. We're told to keep the unity of the spirit and bond of peace. We're told to be perfectly united in the same mind and judgment. And this is a great example of the mind and judgment thing. Because the mind is, well, what are the facts about what the text says? And then the judgment part is, well, now what are we going to do when we do the Lord's Supper? So this is a really good example of the mind and judgment thing. But here's the thing. So we know that there are some people who read the Bible and they're they're trying to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and they say it has to be unleavened bread. And there are some people who say, well, it could maybe be leavened bread. So then, what's the unifying answer for me to give them? What should my practice be? That fosters unity rather than division. Everyone who disagrees, get out. Get out. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I don't, I
0: don't, I don't think it's nec- um, necessarily that it's, that it's necessary to always say, "Well, let's default to the people who are the people who feel strongly that it is one thing or the other." Right, because they could be wrong. Because they could be wrong. Right. But, Absolutely true. But, in, but yeah, there's a this, danger to that. But in this case. Since the the context in all likelihood <clears throat> points to the fact that that that, that it was a, that it was unleavened bread when it was instituted, we don't have any reason to think that it wasn't. Everything says this was a Passover meal. It was Passover meal that they were eating. Right. Um, we don't have a reason to think it was leavened bread that it was that, that, that it was instituted with. And and for us to say, well, maybe jesus only cared about the sharing of the meal not what the meal was they could be eating chicken together and drinking pop and they would still be sharing the meal in his memory i don't i don't think it works that way like jesus had like jesus instituted the meal with a certain thing and then he gave that certain thing significance by saying this represents my body this represents my blood So, for us to say, well, sure, chicken can represent Jesus' body, it's meat, and, you know, other tomato juice could represent Jesus' blood, it's a vine, fruit, and it's red. Right, yeah. But we could do, you know, we could make those substitutions and we can say, we're still keeping, we're still keeping Jesus in remembrance and we're still following the command, but I feel like the attitude in those actions itself is just wrong. Like, why are you trying so hard to get away from the obvious right to find that loophole to do it another way and still maybe keep the command? It just doesn't. That attitude, right. I don't think, is appropriate. We should be trying to do what we can do to the to the nearest uh, in the best way that we understand in the in the most exact manner. And so, and I think in this case. People who feel very strongly, like, "Oh, this was instituted with unleavened bread." We have reason to believe that it was. Maybe it's true that they may have later used unleavened or used leavened bread when they were eating, taking the Lord's supper. There were a lot, there were other things that they also did incorrectly when they were taking the Lord's supper. <clears throat> so don't even think yeah. that like we can. I think we can take from the examples. Yes, they did keep the Lord's supper on Sundays, and that is condoned and advocated like and we can use that as an example but the times that we see that the them taking the lord's supper where it goes into detail they were doing it wrong and what and what happens paul takes them back to the very beginning when it was instituted he says this is how it was instituted this is what you need to be doing and so i think that that same thing would apply to us today like we can do whatever we want with with the lord's supper and we can be doing it wrong and the person who is going to try to correct whatever it is that we're doing wrong is going to in the end, take us back to when the Lord's Supper was instituted and the only, thing that, the only conclusions that we can draw from that, in that moment when it was instituted is that it was unleavened bread and it was grape juice.
1: Right. So let me say two quick things and then I'll let Jeremy talk because I'm sure Jeremy's got a lot to say. So the unity argument <coughs> is this. There are some people who insist it's got to be unleavened bread. There are some people who say maybe it could be leavened bread. The best answer to have the greatest unity with the believers is for me to use unleavened bread. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The other point that I wanted to make is this, and this kind of touches on the point that Tonya made, which is there's a lot more talk about the right attitude. There's a lot more talk about how we should be taking the Lord's Supper than the elements we should be using. So I think there are many, many more people, there are many, many more churches that may have the elements right but don't have the attitude right. And that's a much more serious thing. So the attitude is much more important than the elements. But we should have both. It shouldn't be like, okay, well, well, that, my attitude's right, so who cares what elements I have? No. When Jesus spoke with the Pharisees and said, you know, you've made a big deal out of one, you neglected the other, you should have done both. Mm-hmm. It's not, okay, so we understand the attitude is most important. Okay, so now we're free to use whatever we want to use. No. Thoughts? And I
2: think I basically agree with both of y'all. Um, like, it doesn't say whether he you knows unleavened bread or not, but by mixing in the context of where they were at this point in time, you know, you can make the assumption, you know, pretty strong assumption, that there wasn't anything other than unleavened bread there. So, if he was just going to use bread that he had available at that meal, then it would most likely have been unleavened bread. I, you know, I don't know how you can really... I don't think it's definitive, but I think it's well, pretty, but isn't it pretty de- solid.
1: Isn't it definitive that what Jesus used was unleavened bread? Is there even the remotest possibility that he could have used leavened bread?
0: No, because he was a good Jew.
1: Yeah, and we they read couldn't... Exodus 12 before you came, and it said, there should be no leaven in the house. Anybody who eats leaven during this period of time is going to be cut off from his people. So using the text, how could we doubt for a second that when Luke says bread, he means unleavened bread at that point? How could there be any doubt at all about that?
2: I mean, I don't think that there is, but I I don't want to discount the slight possibility. But know? is there a
1: slight possibility that needs to be considered? I, I, don't, I don't know the... I mean, there are I some things... I don't
2: know the Jewish religion well enough to oh. say one way or the other.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, well, so they... maybe, maybe the person that he was celebrating, you know, in their house wasn't Jewish. Does it say that specifically? Well, well but the point like is that it was for
1: the Passover. They were having a Passover meal. And I just need to look at God's word, what it says. And if Exodus 12 says, no leaven in the house... And anyone who, who has leaven is going to be cut off from his people. End of story. And Jesus was a good Jew. Not only that, but his disciples were all good Jews too. Do you think Peter, who was like, not particularly quick to catch on to things, if Jesus whipped out some Wonder Bread or something like that, was going to say, Hey, wait a second now. <laughs> I can't eat this leavened bread Because remember when the Holy Spirit made all those uh, visions to Peter in Acts chapter 9 or chapter 10? It took three times doing it before Peter was like, okay, I think I'm being told something here. But he said, no, no, no one clean thing has ever passed my lips. And the reason why there is doubt on the internet about this is mainly because of this time frame thing. And that's why I mentioned the thing in John 19. So which explanation should we give? The explanation that agrees Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all agree? Or should we k- kind of tilt to the fact, oh, no, John's an outlier. He's giving a different time frame. And people go into explanations as to why he gave this different time frame when he didn't give a different time frame anymore. So the people on the Internet are being a little bit irresponsible. If I'm going to write an essay about this, about what it says in John 19, 14, I'm going to at least read the whole chapter. <laughs> And the people who are going on and on and on about John nineteen fourteen and not mentioning the later verse are being completely irresponsible in their handling of Scripture, because what it really means is it was preparation for the Sabbath and not preparation for the Passover. Well, well, go ahead.
0: I, I don't see why. I don't see why, Madam. What like it? The, I the way that I Well, read but that it matters. In, the way that I always okay. read that preparation, like every every day of the Passover had a preparation anyway like every day you would prepare a passover meal of the pa- like right right every it's like every day you prepare supper right and yeah. like i don't understand why the preparation thing
1: only like, because they're just trying to make the each case. Because day would have had a
0: preparation. Right,
1: right. Because the only reason why is they want to make the case that the day he was sacrificed was Nisan 14, because that's the day the lambs were sacrificed, and Jesus is our Passover lamb. And they, they also then want to say that the supper that he had with his disciples was not a Passover supper. But then that no, Mark contradicts says. Luke. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them say it was a Passover supper.
0: But Mark specifically says that it was the first, that in Mark fourteen twelve, and the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. His disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou go? Right, exactly. Where wilt thou that yeah. we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he told them, you know, the whole thing to go into the city and find the guy um, that had the guest chamber, and then they did. Um, they right. looked, where they went to get the large upper room, and then his disciples did, and his disciples prepared the Passover. Yes. And then in the evening, he ate it with them. Yes. Like, and that's when the Lord's Supper was instituted. So the Lord's Supper was instituted on the first day of the Passover, the right. same day that... Nisan
1: 14, exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: So I don't understand how it's not clear.
1: So, so then you have to ask, then, if, if somebody reads John 19, 14, and then goes off on this thing, well, obviously there's a time frame difference here, and we're going to go with what we think John is saying, all they're trying to do is raise doubt that that time frame is correct. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to harmonize the scripture, because we know there's no conflict. We know John is not saying a different thing than Matthew, Mark, and Luke are saying. So if Matthew, Mark, and Luke are confidently saying that this was a Passover supper, and John really does not discuss the instituting of the Lord's Supper in his gospel. We don't need to assume there's a conflict just because of a quick reading of a certain verse. So then in verse 31 of John 19, so 14 is the one where it says, day of preparation of the Passover. So you think it's, you're saying, oh, maybe this is Nisan 13 then. But then it said, since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath for that sabbath was a high day and then we do know that the tradition of the jews was the the sabbath during the passover week was a high sabbath it's clear that he's talking about preparation for the sabbath the thing that confuses a lot of people who, this is when the
0: days start. When the days start.
1: Because he may have said those things to his disciples on Nisan thirteen, go and prepare the Passover, and then you know, in other words, just before the sun went down, he may have said that to them, because there's a verse in John's where it says, And on the day before the Passover, this happened. Mm-hmm. But even if, he could have said that to them before the sun goes down. So yeah, so these things are gonna happen, go prepare the Passover. He could have said that on what we would have called Thursday. But then as soon as the sun goes down, now it's Friday. Mm-hmm. They kill the lamb when the sun goes down. They eat it, and then they go to sleep. And then he's arrested, and he's being put to death. That's still Friday. So even though the Lord's Supper is the evening before, it's still Friday. Mm -hmm. And then that Friday is a day of preparation for Saturday, which is the Sabbath. That's why they wanted to take him down off the cross, so you're not hanging a dead body up in the air during the Sabbath. Because the Jews, even though they didn't mind killing him, they didn't want them hanging in the air on the Sabbath, and so that's why they took him down, you know, just before he came, and it became the Sabbath. If you look at it, it's very clear. Even though there are things that would confuse us, reading it with the 21st century mind and ordering things according to the way we order our lives, there can be confusion, and God knows that's going to happen. He knows that this is going to be confusing, so what does he expect you to do? To, yeah, make sense of it, to figure it out. Because the, the verse that we read about Luke from Luke 1-1, he's trying to show them the certainty of what they've been taught. So it shouldn't be, I don't know if, he, if it was unleavened bread or not in the Passover. No, it was unleavened bread. And We have to be certain about that, just like, I don't know if Jesus was the Messiah. If he really was the chosen one of God that was predicted in prophecy, is he or is he not? We have to say, he is. And if I ask that question, the response shouldn't be, okay, I guess he is. It should be, he is, amen. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts? I
0: mean, I don't even understand why. I guess, it's like, to me, it's like this This only becomes an issue if people are, like, challenging for no... Like, I don't understand the reason, like why it's called into question. Like, to me, it's clear from the context, and the only reason why anyone would call it into question is just because they're trying to see what they can get away with. Like, I guess.
1: Or they browse the Internet, and they're not as discerning.
0: The people who are are writing the things on the Internet. Yeah, why are they
1: writing this stuff? That's my question. It's like, why is it
0: called... I don't understand why it's called into question like what is what is the the motivation what's the point because like so what if it like which i don't believe that it was leavened bread but so what if it was leavened bread then what are you trying I, i mean is there is there a point that then we should is are they going to make the point that we should all be using regular bread because I don't think that they're making that point that we should all be not using. Not necessarily, exactly. So what's
1: the point? So if
0: they're not trying to say, if they're not trying to say, "Hey, people, we're doing this wrong. We need to go back to the Bible and figure this out," because maybe we're doing it wrong. If their only point is to call into question what we think we're doing right, I don't think that's a valid. I don't think that those people have motives that should necessarily be entertained or supported or yeah. like it doesn't seem like that's
1: now it might not be their objective up front but what that kind of thing does is it undermines people's faith mm-hmm. because on the one hand we can establish certain things with certainty from scripture jesus is the messiah he's the chosen one of god he's the one we should be listening to mm-hmm. should be we, oh well, maybe muhammad's got some good things to say well whether or not he's got some good things to say he's not the one we should be listening to Clearly, Scripture tells us that. There's no doubt, in my mind. There's no doubt that when they baptized, they immersed people. There's no doubt that when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he used unleavened bread. And if you want to indicate that, well, I've got some historical record that indicates that they used leavened bread in the primitive church, there's also plenty of church father documents saying that it it has to be unleavened bread. There's a little bit of both. And in which case, like I said to you on Wednesday, I'm not basing my faith on what the church fathers say. I'm basing my faith on what the Bible says. So which am I going to go with? The certainty of, well, let me just do what Jesus did and I'm not going to go wrong. Or the uncertainty with, well, maybe it's okay to do this. No, I'm going to go with the certainty thing and I'm going to go with the unleavened bread. And I'm going to teach others to do the same and not feel like I'm going beyond what's written.
0: No, because if the, because if you only do what Paul did, if you go back to when the when the it's like having record of churches doing things doesn't doesn't necessarily mean it's okay to do something because we have record of churches doing things in the New Testament that then were condemned. Right? Do you have? scriptural record of the church doing something and scripture saying it's good or okay because you because if it's not scriptural record of the church doing something and also condoned within that scripture then you don't have then you don't have
1: right. so then the other argument to the lack of record is well then if there's lack of record that means it's unimportant and we can do whatever we want see I'm pushing back against that thinking because how many times does God have to tell us something for us to think it's a valid command. Once. Once. So even if it's just once there, it's just like some people dispute about the whole first day of the week thing. Well, we know the first day of the week is called out as a special day of worship. And we don't have any verses that say, so now don't have the Lord's Supper on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, right? We don't have any verses that say that, but do we have any other days of the week called out as then they gather together on this day, mm-hmm. no, and so uh, I can do that. I can say, let me read the entire New Testament and see. Okay, I've got a number of places where the first day of the week is called out, and let me look at my passages that have Monday called out. No, nope, none of them. Tuesday, nope, none of them. Wednesday, nope, none of them. <laughs> Etc. And if I do that exercise, then what day of the week am I going to do the Lord's Supper on? Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to do it on the first day of the week. Like I said before, I thought this was a really good mind and judgment exercise. Because the mind part is, let's make sure we're clear about what Scripture is telling us. And then the judgment part is, what are we going to do in our little group? What are we going to do in our little group?
0: I'm not comfortable saying that there is biblical example provided for us to use anything else.
1: So, should we continue with the... Unleavened bread, the matzahs, mm. and the grape juice. Yeah. See, both get... matzahs and grape juice keep well too. Some churches and some people will, will cook up their unleavened bread every yeah, I think which, that's is, neat which is which is cool. Yeah, food. yeah, because sometimes it's really good. Yeah, some people sometimes. make a really good Lord's supper bread. I could buy a box of matzahs once a month, and that just that takes care of us. Mm-hmm. That takes care of us more than a month unless I don't eat it myself. And the same thing with grape juice. Grape juice keeps going, you know, so... Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think... I've always wondered this a little bit, because we talking about the Lord's Supper and ways to do it wrong. Out of curiosity, <clears throat> whenever, um, he was having the issue with the Corinthians, and they weren't doing the Lord's Supper right, when he mentions that, um, that some of them were getting drunk... Do you think it was because they were using uh, wine?
1: Well, the word there for not getting drunk does not necessarily mean getting intoxicated. What it means is that some are starving and some are gorging themselves because okay. i've heard people make that argument well, clearly I'm that means curious. that it's alcoholic beverage, and it may have been alcoholic mm-hmm. wine. That word really means well, some people are gorging themselves and some people have nothing. When you study the word, that's what that means. doesn't necessarily mean drunk, so you can't make the case that there was alcohol in the wine from that verse. Mm -hmm. But once again, fruit of the vine. some people say it has to be grape juice. Some people say, well, it could be wine, it could be okay. I say that very rarely was a grape beverage completely without alcohol in those days. Mm -hmm. So... I've got no problem with wine i got no problem with grape juice but once again what's the unity argument the unity argument is grape juice Yeah. because then I'm going to be keeping the unity of the spirit I'm going to be doing something that first I can do by faith because it says fruit of the vine and what is this it says fruit of the vine if I say it has to be alcohol someone's going to say what verse <clears throat> shows you it's actually yeah. alcohol so I'm doing it by faith keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because that's what the Holy Spirit tells me from the word of God that it was fruit of the vine so it's fruit of the vine Boom.
0: Yeah, I think I wouldn't have a problem with vermin and grape juice, although it might not taste good, but I think I would have take up an issue with, like, wine wine. Because I feel like they add, like, a bunch of stuff to that.
1: But when people make wine... They add,
0: like, all kinds of... Don't they add yeast to...?
1: Yes, it? and, and that's the add, other like, argument that wine? I've heard made, and I haven't heard it a lot, but... What kind of wine was this that they had at the Lord's Supper? And since they were supposed to have not have any yeast, and there's not going to be any yeast in the wine, which means what? It's going to be new wine, it's going to be grape juice. They're going to make sure that they've got what was called back in Old Testament days, and even in, in you know, up to pretty close to the recent times in some places, <coughs> new wine meant that you just smushed the grapes, and you you just decanted them, and you haven't allowed them to ferment. And that's...
2: An argument I heard against that one was... This is not the season for fresh grapes at all. The season was right, like yeah, a couple yeah. Months ago, So most likely, if you had fruit of the vine at that time, it would have been fermented. It would have been
1: Thank fermented you. for a while, yeah. So and that's a reasonable argument, and so that's why I don't argue with it much. But your safest bet is still the grape juice. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we're in agreement, and we can continue using the unleavened bread. You good with that, Jeremy? Yeah. A special thanks to Tanya and Jeremy for their contribution to this week's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even if you have any helpful suggestions, please feel free to email me at james at believeandfollow.org. That's all for now. Goodbye, and God bless. The perfect, converting the soul, the judgments of the Lord are true and and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea,
0: than much finer.
1: Oh so-